0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. And did your kids or grandkids did they did they start off like really strong and excited about their relationship with the Lord? But then they cooled down a little bit, and then maybe even lost interest, and they didn't really want to attend church or or attend a Bible study or participate really in many church activities. So, question is what what is going on, or or what went wrong? And I, I think w- w- what we want to do is try to get to the root of some of these problems and issues because the culture is coming for our kids and grandkids today. And if we don't do something to stop it, uh, it's going to get worse. My guest today is Dr. Josh Mulvihill. He has written a book called Biblical Worldview, What It Is, Why It Matters, and How to Shape the Worldview of the Next Generation. Josh, welcome back to the show.
1: Well, great to be here, Bill. Appreciate all that you do, and thanks for
0: having me. Oh, yeah. You're always a delight to have on. I learn so much. There are so many things vying for our kids' hearts and minds today. And I am so concerned, especially in the last three years, maybe it started with COVID where there was uh, such a change in structure and habit and routine for kids that it became very disruptive. And I'm not sure we got back on track. And I think with all the issues that are going on in the world and lies that kids are hearing and the way in which they are being consumed with their their electronic devices and their social media and everything else that's coming after them what do we do to help get them uh, so they're really excited just about being in bible studies and fellowship and going to church activities and just being devout followers of Jesus
1: well let me solve all the problems in uh, <laughs> next 30 seconds no i just all can't. Right, i'll be really quiet then yeah, right. Um man, I've got five kids of my own bill. I'm asking these same questions and of course my greatest um you know, my greatest passion and desire in life is to spend eternity with my five kids and grandkids you know. uh you know, in heaven and um it it sure does feel like in the last few years that um it has gotten a lot harder to raise kids to know, love, and serve Jesus. And I think it's critical that our eyes are open to the kinds of questions you just asked there. You know, what, what what's causing it? What do we do? Um, and, you know, of course, our culture is just moving away from belief in God, mm-hmm. from uh, belief in the Bible. And, of course, with that, uh, you're getting, you know, we feel everything that's, it just, it feels like everything's kind of pushing the wrong direction. And, um, you know, I think with a simple answer for us as parents and for grandparents is um, we really want to be managing the influences. And this is kind of how I think with my kids of what are the primary influences in a child's life and uh, can I strategically, intentionally, um, you know, leverage those to help a child know, love, and serve Jesus? And um, and I, I, a different way of asking that simply is, um, you know, what is God's design in the Bible, and, and, are, and are we living according to that for the discipleship of children? So if we, you know, we get at the same Um, the same answer, which I I will summarize with just five words, and if you want to peel back any of these, we can. Um, But God's primary design is the family, which is parents first and grandparents second. Um, Unfortunately, we've got a lot of challenges there. Um, Not only the world attacking families, um, but parents struggling to raise and pass on their faith to their children and to prioritize that. Uh, grandparents really struggling to understand their role scripturally and, ha- you know, sit at the periphery of a lot of spiritual formation. Uh, we have education, which in the Christian community, we've often separated that as its own realm. And, you know, kids will spend about 16,000 hours in school mm. from kindergarten through 12th grade um and you know if it's it's essentially a godless education you know that that has an impact on children i know that's a sensitive subject um for many you know that steps on some toes but if we want to be honest we have to think about how is this impacting what my children believe and and how they make their life choices and uh, and so we want to be honest with ourselves and say you know what what is this what kind of fruit is being produced here long-term and to think through what that means for us. Uh, the church is a fourth one, uh, and, um, they're a kid's involvement in what way and how regular frequency, uh, you know, the average child attends uh, church today, 1.5 times per month. Uh, we were just, we just had some friends over last week and my, and they, uh, were saying, you know, our families were all together and they said, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're our family, grandparents are coming into town. We're going to, we have a, a dance, a uh, dance meet this, uh, this Sunday morning. And my 10 year old's ears perked up and he said, does that mean you're not going to be at church? And uh, <laughs> they, you know, the mom said, yeah, it's, you know, the dance meets at 10 o'clock. And my 10 year old said, you know, you really ought to probably rethink that because you know, you guys should be prioritizing." worship over these other things. Um, But, you know, that's common today for a lot of families in in the church piece, and it just has this lower level. And of course, that's one of God's designs. Um, You know, what I just described, the first three, uh, parents, grandparents, education, those all live in the family realm in the Bible. Then church um, is your you know, your fourth one that I mentioned. And then the last uh, is for us today is technology is media. Uh, The average child spends about seven hours on a screen. uh, That's a grade school age or younger Mm. uh, per day. And the average teen is about nine hours per day. And of course you just start to add, just do the math in your head. So if children are spending that amount of time in education and on screens, Limited amount of time in the church, and um, you know, and there's sometimes it's a struggle at home with getting, um, you know, praying and being in the Bible with a family. Uh, you, we can just do the math in our head and realize, okay, you know, the outcomes are somewhat of what they're are, are what we're seeing because just those influences are super high in the areas that are you know, shaping the views and values of children that just aren't in alignment with the Bible. And so we have to, we have to, we have to manage those influences and you want to increase, you know, want to increase the influence. We either have to increase certain time in those things or decrease certain times in those things. And, you know, we're, um, you know, it's not as simple as that, but that, you know, that it's a complex question you have, but I look at it that as those are your, a lot of your driving factors
0: hmm i'm just making some notes here to myself one is book josh's 10 year old son as a guest on the show <laughs> that's, that's impressive josh i gotta be honest that he well
1: we have, we have purpose you know our kids i think some of us as parents think um we need to do these things to disciple our kids and we do i think there's a you know faith is caught and it's taught there's a there's a lot of the intentional teaching that needs to happen, but it's also caught. And, you know, all of us are discipling our kids, even if we never open our mouth, they are literally, there absorbing a view of this world, a value system based on what we're doing daily in our house. And that is active discipleship. And so, you know, our kids have picked up on just this corporate, the value of corporate worship because You know, we have we've we've purposefully chosen as a family to say no to things on Sunday morning that will take us away from from church. If at church I pull out my cell phone to check football scores or answer texts again, that tells my kids what's a priority over over God. And um, and we could you know, we could give a million other examples of ways that we begin to shape our kids' views and values uh, on a daily basis, and that happens from parents, from grandparents, in education, at church, through the screens that they're having access to. So these become really critical
0: to uh, to help our kids uh, get grounded in their faith. Mm-hmm. Josh, I know that it's a parent's job and honor and the, to and privilege to instill a biblical worldview in their in their kids' minds and in their kids' hearts. And I talked to a friend of mine who teaches at a college level and he said, a lot of these kids who've come from really wonderful Christian homes, they have felt that they are still searching for their identity in Christ. They get to college and they they don't exactly quite know what who they are in Christ and maybe they pray they prayed the sinner's prayer a couple of times and they just feel like they're still struggling. And can I really apply these, you know, these beautiful faith principles in my life? Uh, I'm still struggling with um, my thought life and everything else. And they're, they feel fragile and insecure. So these are, these are kids coming from good homes and good parents. So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think where, what else could we have done to better equip them by the time they reach college?
1: Well, I love the doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture, uh, meaning that what God has called us to in life, he gives us that in the Bible to, you know, he gives us everything we need in the Bible to accomplish that. So for parents and grandparents, um, you know, what the task he's given us to raise our kids, our grandkids, is a, it's a big one. But um, but he's given us what we need in the Bible to do that. And so, you know, if we if we make the Bible the center, the saturation point of our family, we let God's words become our words. We're living in the Bible. um, You know, it doesn't have to be. um, um, Let me even if it's three times a week, 10 times a day. Um, and we do that year in and year out um just once just just for one year that's 26 hours we kid our kids in in the Bible and and that uh, ha, that's pretty significant in the shaping of our children done on a regular basis and a lot of families just simply aren't in the word and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't say that as a guilt inducing statement um I, I but we can't develop a a a biblical worldview, a biblical view of life, if we're not in the Bible and that, you know, it sounds so basic to say that, um, you know, there was Lifeway did a study that found that about 29% of parents are reading the Bible with their children on a weekly basis. Um, And, you know, the reality is many of us as parents struggle to have a consistent devotional time in the word ourselves. and so it becomes challenging to uh, do that with our family if we're not even doing that with our own self. Um, I as a pastor, was pastor for about 20 years, you know one of the biggest um, laments I would have from mothers from wives was I would really love my husband to lead our family in you know devotions and prayer, you know reading God's word. And she's like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I just don't know how, what do I do? How do, how do I help see that happen in our family? Um, and what, as a pastor, what I found, um, was that sometimes a lot of fathers and this mothers too, they just needed to be shown how, and they needed to be walked beside. Mm -hmm. And so we did, uh, you know, we do a father, son, um, discipleship group and as a group of fathers, we're discipling our group of sons. And in the process, I've learned a lot of these fathers um, need discipleship themselves because, you know, maybe as children, they didn't have a good role model. Um, maybe they didn't, maybe they're a new Christian, you know, that their parents didn't raise them in that way at all. Uh, many lack confidence. And uh, and, and so, um you know that's one of the pieces that I've seen, and so if there's any pastors listening to this, I would say, man, you just—I think families just need us to walk beside them to help them, show them how, and that then becomes a huge encouragement. Once I've seen parents do this, man, the, the take—they take right off. I think, I think families know it's their job. We know it's our job. Um, I had a one parent that came up to me one Sunday um, at church, and she was. She literally almost ran to me. She was holding out her cell phone. Um, I'd, I'd given her some encouragement to read the Bible with her family, and she had she, she held out her phone, so just this huge smile on her face, <laughs> and she said, "Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, look at this!" And she had taken a picture of her four children. They were older, so these were like you know, kind of older grade school into the teen years. And there was a big bowl of popcorn in front of them. And uh, and they were all four smiling, the kids. And the mom said, This is our first time as a family reading the Bible. And she said, And it wasn't even scary, you know. I think sometimes (laughs) our kids are, um, so if you know, if that's a struggle in your family, I would say, you know, have a conversation with kids, uh, start small, just read a couple verses, ask a few questions. It doesn't need to be like earth shattering and commit to doing that. Um, you know, maybe at first it's once a week or a couple times a week. And, um, you know, we have often done that at dinner with our kids. Cause I feel like, uh, especially with younger kids, it's helpful to have some things that they're doing and food keeps them busy. I, you know, we do that towards the end of dinner it'd be five or 10 minutes. And, um, we used a tool, um, by a gentleman. His name's Marty Machowski, M-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. Uh, I think thinks how you spell the last name. Um, he's written two books. One's called The Long Story Short, and the other is called uh, Old Story New. And they're essentially just a Bible reading plan through the Bible for families. And you'll read a couple verses at a time. And he has a few prompt discussion questions, a prayer if you want it. And that's it. And I would literally like you know open it up i'd get home and uh, open it up like okay, where are we tonight and then um you know we'd put a bookmark in it for the next time and um that that helped us read through the bible with our kids over a period of time and um you know resources like that are real helpful as our kids have gotten older um we've we've shifted a little bit to kind of reading, just reading chronologically through the Bible with them to actually doing more in-depth study of books of the Bible, um, where we'll study a a single chapter with, um, you know, we do that in a group of father and sons. And my wife does that with a group of uh, mothers and daughters. We call it the man co and the woman co. (laughs) Um, I love it. um, Yeah. So we, you know, we, we try to help, our boys learn how to study the Bible as yeah. we're studying, actually talking through it. And, um, and since it's in a group setting with some other, you know, some friends and other dads, it's, um, it has worked really well. And, you know, it's, it's pretty satisfying as a dad, just knowing, all right, you know, we've studied through a handful of uh, entire books of the Bible and, um, and, you know, they're, I said, the Bible is sufficient for what we need. So, you know, we studied through the first couple chapters of Genesis and, you know, you know, that those first couple chapters address what is marriage. They address, what does it mean to be a man or a woman? Mm -hmm. They address the gender question. They address um, uh, sanctity of life. And some of these big issues that our kids are dealing with in culture today you know, as we just open up the Bible and allow God's words to be our words, we know our kids are getting what they need. Uh, We studied Ephesians last year, and our children again got a a taste of what God says about, um, you know, marriage from Ephesians 5, and we're studying James uh, right now this year, and we spent uh, a few weeks ago, we studied James 2, which which uh focused entirely on favoritism and mm-hmm. partiality, which you know, we're dealing with all the racial stuff in yeah. our world today. And your kids how do we help your how do we help them think about that yeah. biblically? And here boom, James chapter two. It addresses that very issue. And so um, you know, we want our kids if the the best way to give your kids a biblical world view is to get them in the Bible Amen. and that pushes a, a wrong worldview, a bad worldview. And it's not that we, um, you know, we talk about all these other uh, belief systems that are out there. You know, we talk about transgenderism yeah. and homosexuality. Josh, and, these are all great
0: topics, but I do have to take a break. Yeah. So when we come back, we'll, we'll address that. Cause this is really good, good stuff. Dr. Josh Mulvihill is my guest. His book is Biblical Worldview. What it is, why it matters and how to shape the worldview of the next generation. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Josh Mulvahill is my guest. His book is Biblical Worldview. He loves to shape the worldview of the next generation, and I'm so glad he does because he thinks so clearly and writes so beautifully. His um his book came out a couple of years ago, but it's uh it's a keeper. So if you are interested in knowing how to better shape the worldview of the next generation, The name is Biblical Worldview by Dr. Josh Mulvihill. Josh, right before break, you were talking about a number of things. One was how wonderful it is when this family was finally gathered around a table with a big bowl of popcorn studying the Bible together. And I do remember something, and this is just a little free tip that I couldn't get paid for anyway, so I don't know why I call it free. But when a mom or dad writes a scripture verse on a 3 by 5 card and says, let's look at this verse today and you hand it to a kid to read and say, you can put that in your Bible now because a kid is not going to quickly throw something away that mom or dad wrote down because I look in my Bible and some of the most cherished things I have in my Bible are scripture references and verses that my mom wrote down, which is in my Bible.
1: Amen. Love that.
0: Yeah, just kind of nice to say, you know, today instead of opening Bibles, we're going to read this one verse, and here it is on a 3 by 5 card, and let's talk about it. And that way it's just kind of an easy entrance into getting going on a passage, and and all the kids can focus on one verse. Sometimes it's good to do that, and other times it's uh, good to just spend more time, of course, but it's great to get engaged in Bible study, so... Let's go back to uh, the the woman co and the man co study. I thought that was fantastic, and you were talking about getting into some issues uh, that would prop up in in the books like Genesis and Ephesians and all that, and and so you're able to train and equip them in ways just by reading the Bible, which is perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. God gave us what we need. It's our it is our curriculum, and if we're, you know, if we're not getting our kids into God's word and thinking through um not only the truths that are there but then how do we apply it to the world that we live in today um you know our kids are just susceptible to some of the ideas and deception of our time and um and, and so that you know that's part of the reason why it, it's really critical that our kids uh, are, are in God's word and uh, uh you know I just circle back as saying I, I don't say that, um, you know, to be guilt inducing or shame, you know, based kind of deal. I, I say that because I truly want this next generation, your children, your grandchildren, uh, to know God's word and to, to walk with him all their days. You know, all of us know young people that have walked away from the faith and it just breaks, it breaks our hearts. And so this is, you know, this is one of God's primary methods to disciple the next generation. In fact, if you, if you just open up the Bible and look, the number of times it says, you know, teach these things to your children or children's children, um, you know, raise in the instruction of the Lord, it just, there's so much of that. And so, you know, we we just need to be faithful to that. Um, and And then not wonder if we don't do that, why we're not getting some of the Outcomes that we would truly want and hope for with our, our young people.
0: Yeah, Josh, let's dig into some of those verses. I mean, you did mention Deuteronomy 4 9 there teach these things to your children and your children's children. And I, I love Proverbs 1 8 hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching.
1: Yes, that's a good
0: one. Yeah, Ephesians six four. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, as a dad of five, how do you do that, Josh?
1: Do not, so, do not provoke um, your
0: children to anger. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. If you want to, if you want to focus on that. Oh <laughs> man, I need to for grace every day, but I will say practically, um, when I'm, when I'm not in God's word and I haven't allowed my heart and mind to be shaped by God, I find that I struggle with that in much greater capacity than when, uh, I am in God's word. And, um, and I, you know, there's, there, there's a, a reality of, you know, God says, love the Lord, your God you know that's first and then love others if we're not loving the lord our god you know we're coming to be renewed and refreshed by him regularly we're not going to do the loving our children well uh piece and in fact that's you know that's Deuteronomy 6 the first commandment as parents and grandparents there is love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and then teach these things um diligently so we sometimes forget. There's this, you know, we got to get the great commandment right before we start on the great commit, you know, the the great commission of of making disciples. And um, you know, both are important, of course. But it's interesting that one precedes the other in Deuteronomy six.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. One of the things you talk about in your book is teaching the core truth of Scripture, uh, so mm-hmm. that a, a young person can be really established in their faith. And then bring in a competing belief system and just sort of pick it apart and expose why it's false. I I think that's really a smart strategy. I'd love for you to say more about that.
1: Yeah, so um, let's just use James chapter 2, which talks about, um, you know, God does not love— favoritism or partiality and of course the example in James 2 was uh, over money it was rich versus poor and one was shown favoritism in the church of course the rich what were um you know we can uh, we can take those principles and apply that to today on you know whether it's gender based we're showing favoritism partiality whether it's race whether it's um could be finances, you know. Pick your pick your topic. Um, none of those things please the Lord, and of course that gives us the categories scripturally for just that one topic. Um, and so it's pretty easy. Then we teach those principles, and then we can go to our culture and say, okay, how how how's our how's our culture speaking about this? And today our culture is speaking about that with. Ideas like critical race theory, like social justice, uh, equity, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, Um, and we can then kind of put those on a high level in front of our kids and say, "All right, well, you know, how how do we think about these kinds of ideas in light of what we're seeing here in the Bible?" and um, And of course, we want our kids to be, you know, they shouldn't. My view, I know, I've got it. My oldest is. Uh, heading off for college this next fall, so we've got a senior in high school. Our kids should not be surprised by anything in our culture today. They should hear it all from, you know, my goal is to be the first and the loudest voice in our kids' lives. And so, um, you know, if it's being talked about in our society, you know it's going to make it to our kids. So, you know, I'll just mention a few of those kind of big cultural topics. And then, uh, you can think about where does the Bible speak about this and let's kind of teach the biblical truth and then talk about it. Uh, so some of the big cultural issues we have to have conversations with our kids about are, um, transgenderism, homosexuality, all the racial stuff, social justice, equity, um, climate, uh, all the environmentalism, climate stuff, uh, that's happening. Um, those are some of the biggies, sure. uh, you know, right now, the wars that are happening in multiple places, Israel, Ukraine, um, you know, those are just good, good, good things, good opportunities. And the Bible speaks on all of those. And so, you know, um, and for many of us, there's a learning curve there to go, man, I don't even, I did not even know if I could do that well. Um, and I, and I'll say this, you can. Uh, and I'll give you a quick crash course on a few of them just okay. so you can do that well. Um, marriage, it's Genesis 2. It tells us that uh, Genesis 2.24, marriage is one man, one woman for life. Uh, so you can teach that to a five-year-old and a 15-year-old. Um, and we even, you know, we our kids encounter that a gazillion times a day. They're discipled by rainbow flags. And so you know, we're, we're, it's a blessing to give them that view from, from the Bible Um, manhood and womanhood. Um, Of course we get this from Genesis as well, that um, Adam was created to work it and keep it. That's uh, protect and provide. And, um, and then uh, Eve was, um, was created as a helpmate um, to follow and, um, and so we can get a perspective there on what it means to be a man and a woman, uh, right out of the gate from Genesis. Uh, I mentioned some of the favoritism from James chapter two. Um, and so just, you know, go, going down those kinds of paths, uh, help us to kind of hyper-focus on some of those critical issues that become, uh, real helpful, um, and I will say uh, there's, you know, there's some really good resources out there that I I would recommend um, on creation and evolution. There's answers in Genesis that I found real helpful as a dad. Um, on... Um, on social justice, uh, I appreciate the book by Scott David Allen, um, why social justice is not biblical justice, uh, real, real helpful book. Um, so if you're kind of trying to think through that topic, uh, I think I found that valuable. Uh, and with, if you've got older kids, I will purchase resources like that mm-hmm. and I'll put them in their hands and we'll, um, you know, I think ninth grade and up can easily handle those kinds of, you know, like a, a book like Scott David Allen's. Yeah. Good birthday present, good Christmas present coming up here. Yeah, nice.
0: And we got a break coming up too, so there's all kinds of things coming up. <laughs> Let me take a little break. Dr. Josh Mulvihill is my guest. Biblical Worldview is the name of his book. What it is, why it matters, and how to shape the worldview of the next generation. We'll be right back with Josh in just a minute. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. It's the
1: afternoon show with Bill Arno. Time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno.
0: I'm back with Dr. Josh Mulvihill. He's my guest today. His book is Biblical Worldview, but it's not his only book. You need to check him out. He's got bunch of books that he's written. What's, uh, what's the book count right now, Josh? How many? Uh, about 10. Man, about 10. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> this book is uh, <laughs> is great. It does help uh, shape a biblical worldview for this next generation, which are up against a lot. There's the enemies coming for them faster than I've ever seen. So if your 10-year-old comes home, and we're talking about, I love the fact that you said, I want to be the The first and the loudest voice as a parent to my kids on every topic, which I think is Mm -hmm. really, really good. And so your 10-year-old comes to you and says, gee, Dad, this boy in my class now says that he's a girl. What would you say? Uh, I think that's a great opportunity to
1: either open up the Bible together, if that's never happened, or just to simply... Uh, share what God's word says, um, you know, we want our kids to know that um, you know, the, the truth on this matter just isn't our opinion that it, you know, we're, we get that from the Bible. And so how you get there, you know, whether you crack that uh, or you just simply state it um, and, and they know that it's coming from God's word. Uh, we, you know, we had this, you mentioned a 10 year old um, we were walking out of Barnes and Noble not too long ago. And, um, they had all the magazines, you know, at the front of the checkout, uh, with, uh, Harry Styles, uh, wearing a dress and our, um, 10 year old. So the exact same age, um, brought up that conversation about dad. Why, you know, why is, why is Harry Styles wearing a dress? And, and, uh, you know, he was very perceptive. He just picked up on that, just simply going through the checkout line and, that opened up a good conversation for us about, is that appropriate? And of course, you know, we talked, we went to the passage in the Bible about, um, you know, men not wearing women's clothes and vice versa. And, um, and talked about just, you know, what, what, what was appropriate for uh, how God created us as men. And, you know, we want to look and act uh, like um, men in, in a way that's honoring to the Lord and, uh, talked about some of the differences and, um, you know, just from a basic biology, you know, God's given a X X chromosome and a Y chromosome. And just from a basic biology, we can go we can go there. You know, we can we can push back against what is reality. Uh, but when we do that from a from a practical standpoint, when we don't align our life with God's word it just results in chaos and problems, mm-hmm. and so we can talk to our ten-year-old about, you know, these individuals. Some of them may be people we know; uh, they may be friends or family members. Um, we need to make sure that we don't allow our our love for them, our you know, our care for them, to become the authority because it is for a lot of people. It be our experience begins to dictate what we say is true. And we need to not allow that for a young person to say the Bible is our authority in this regard. And we can show them, I think, the, the impact of decisions. So I mentioned when we align our love ourself with God's word, it leads to blessings generally. And when we don't, it leads to problems. And, um, and so we can just show them some of the challenges that's the result of Uh, of choosing to live in a way that's uh, outside of God's good design for men and women. Um, There's some really good children's books out now on what does it mean to be a boy? What does it mean to be a girl? Uh, I think that's actually the title of two books, Um, but there's some really, really good, helpful resources. So if you're looking like the great, you mentioned the grade school aged, um, you know, pick up some of those books and know our, our, it's not a matter of if our kids are going to, you know, kind of be confronted with these ideas. You know, they all are. Uh, we were watching the Olympics, uh, you know, when was that on the last time a year or two ago? Uh-huh. And the announcers was transgender, Johnny Weir. And uh, you know, our, at the time they re- our kids were even younger and they asked questions. I mean, it's literally, it's inevitable today in, in the culture we live in. And so, you know, that first and loudest voice just, preempt that. Um, It doesn't need to be a crazy deal. Uh, I do want to encourage all of us to be askable parents and grandparents, Um, just giving our kids and grandkids the permission to have questions and ask us and have conversations. um, Because we know they're going to have questions and we don't want them to be seeking the answers from Google because we know that we know the answers that will come up there probably aren't the ones that we would give. Mm -hmm. And um, if we just, you know, open that door and give the invitation, when curiosity or question is there, the hope, of course, is that, you know, they will, they will come to us and, and that we respond well, you know, some kids may be struggling with, some stuff legitimately and you know let's let's never shrug off a child's question as as silly or inappropriate or dumb let's let's handle them with as they they could be weighty deals that they're that they're dealing with so you know we can't make fun of them we need to spend the time and answer their questions legitimately um with accuracy of course with you know, with biblical accuracy. And, and if we don't know the answer, then we could, we could be honest and say, Hey, let's, let's find the answer to this together. And, um and I, you know, I think a child respects that and, um and we help kids understand what God says. Mm-hmm.
0: Josh, we're going to take a break in about a minute, but I do want to ask this question. Let's say somebody stops you in the hall at church and says, Hey, Josh, I- I'm kind of afraid to talk to my kids about difficult topics, what would you say?
1: I would say you don't need to be. Um, and if it's new, then, uh, you know, ease into that. But, you know, I think we can go with kids in our home and in our life, and in our conversation where the Bible goes with kids. And the Bible goes, if we just read, you know, the Bible's pretty rated R. Uh, just think about Proverbs five six seven. Uh, the fathers talk with the son sexually is like wow that'll make you blush. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know we do them a disservice not to have those conversations because the reality is other people are evil. Evil knows no age. Right. And so if we're oh, not having the conversation, others are.
0: Yeah. All right. We're taking a little break. Dr. Josh Mulvihill is my guest. His book is called Biblical Worldview: Why It What It Is, Why It Matters, and How to Shape the worldview of the next generation. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. You've been listening today to Dr. Josh Mulvihill. He's the executive director of the church and family ministry of Renew One Nation. He served as the pastor for over 20 years. He has a PhD in family ministry and serves on the board of Awana, so you know he loves kids. So, Josh, I have a question. When you've got uh, your kids who maybe have drifted away a little bit from their faith and are taking their kids to church and getting involved in activities, and the grandparents are thinking, well, I want to teach them about Jesus, and I want to uh, start doing the things that I'm not seeing my kids do. How does that work, and is there conflict a-brewing?
1: Hmm. Well, I think a conversation is a good place to start. Um, And some, uh, of course, some adult children will say no. Um, We're not interested. We're not allowing. Some will say yes. Um, So I think a conversation is a place to start. Uh, Repairing relationships are a huge one. You know, as the relationship goes, so goes opportunity in that regard most of the time. Um, You know, I think there is... um, you know, prayer obviously is a big piece. If adult children say, uh, you can't talk to uh, your grandchildren about Jesus, well, you can always talk to Jesus about your grandchildren. They can't stop that. And uh would encourage that, of course. Um, you know, there are a lot of different ways in which that can happen. I think sometimes, you know, we think it needs to be we open the Bible. We, you know, have this big conversation about. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities to teach God's truth, um, where it's not, uh, you know, it's not overtly um, reading Scripture. So God has a lot to say about money and work and relationships. And you pick the subject. You know, we can still kind a communicate those biblical principles just as we're doing life with grandchildren, even if uh, we're not given some of the other freedoms we would like. Um, A good question to ask for grandparents to ask, um, and it could be for adult children to ask grandparents, is simply how can we help or how can you help um, for children, adult children to grandparents? Um, You know, how, how can we help see what your adult children will say. And, um, you know, I think, um, there are, th- there are three things that increase influence for grandparents. Uh, one is increased time. Uh, you increase the time, you in- increase the influence Two is decreased distance. So some grandparents have the freedom to live wherever they want. And it makes sense for some to move geographically closer to some, uh, some grandchildren and, uh, uh, and three is the relationship piece. Uh, you know, oftentimes the relationship with the daughter-in-law <laughs> dictates a lot, um, or the daughter, daughter, daughter-in-law, and uh, so that you know, those are all things that can be done. Um, but I, you know, I would say, um, you know, don't uh, don't break off a relationship even if it may be a extremely hurtful. Um, you know God has a lot of prodigals, and God the Father that is, and uh, we could learn a lot about how to um, how to navigate that world in our own life by looking at how God dealt with uh, prodigals. You know, maybe that was some of us at one point. And um, you know, he, there's unconditional love. There's always pursuing. There's um, you know, Jesus ate with sinners, so can we? Uh, there's a lot we can glean there.
0: So, Josh, I know you've got five kids, and how many siblings in your family of origin?
1: I'm the oldest of four.
0: Okay. Now, of your, you and your three siblings, have you all followed Jesus?
1: Yes, we have.
0: Okay, that's pretty pretty awesome. Now, are you all engaged in ministry related activity?
1: Yes, we are. So I'm I, I pastor and um, now serve with Renew Nation full time. Uh, my brother Jake is the head of school at Legacy Christian Academy mm-hmm. uh, here here in the Twin Cities, and my brother Jared is on staff with Training Leaders International. So he um, uh, helps train, theologically train pastors in uh, internationally. Writes curriculum for pastors. They, that have not gone through seminary. Uh, there's kind of a theological famine, so he helps train pastors across the, the world. He lives here in the cities, um, and then my sister taught at Heritage Christian Academy for about ten years mm. until she had she was until she was fruitful and multiplied and had many children.
0: <laughs> all right. So my question, my question for all of this is: What did Josh's parents do that instilled? in their children, these kinds of values and this kind of devotion to follow Jesus? Because there's going to be some people listening to today going, huh, my family didn't turn out that well, and, and I worked awfully hard to train and equip them in the Lord.
1: Yeah. You know, um... My parents had a saying in our home that that we were living in light of eternity, and that our primary focus was Christ. You know, and it, and and it was. I mean, that wasn't just a catchphrase; that literally impacted our daily choices, how we, you know, the priorities we had. And um, for my parents. Christ was life. You know, service wasn't something we did as a family serving the Lord. It was, it was our lifestyle. And so we, you know, I said uh, earlier in the program, it's the mundane things. It's literally like we see, we saw our parents just live this out Mm -hmm. and we see, you know, I think kids gravitate towards what their parents are passionate about. And our parents were passionate about Christ. I mean, there was no doubt about that. Um, You know, were they perfect parents? No, and neither are any of us. Uh, But when they would fall short of God's standards, they were humble enough to confess their sin to us, to ask for our forgiveness, to own that. And, you know, you start to see real fast, is there authenticity here? And are my parents living in a way that you know, I can look in the Bible and I can see my parents' lives and I could say, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of congruency here. And, um, you know, our parents never encouraged any of us that I know of to go into ministry, but I think it was just so appealing because that was, that was our life. That, yeah. That's where we ended up gravitating towards.
0: Yeah. What a beautiful role model they were for you and your family. And then now, what a beautiful role model you and your wife are to your family of five. So that um, says a lot. You know, that that old expression, what you're doing speaks so loudly, I don't always hear what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Well, Josh, again, thank you so much for taking the time, and thank you for your book, Biblical Worldview, What It Is, Why It Matters, and How to Shape the Worldview of the Next Generation. Josh Mulvihill has been my guest. Have a great rest of the day, and uh, thank you for being on the program.
1: Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it.
0: You bet. Thank you. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week.